Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. We've entitled this 21 Days of Breakthrough, and uh, I'm very glad that the Lord gave me the instruction to start this off with three weeks of meetings, because uh, with what's going on in Israel and the Middle East, there is a hunger in people's hearts to know what this means prophetically, and we're going to get into that tonight. Brother, uh, Brother Troy, if you could grab me that book. This is Understanding the World in Light of Bible Prophecy. This is one of my newest books. I think it's my second newest one. And my father was kind enough to write the foreword to it. My dad's been preaching on Bible prophecy for about 45 years. He wrote, Throughout his, which is mine entire life, my son heard my messages in our Lost Lamb Crusades on Bible prophecy. As my son, he had a behind-the-scenes look at my passion for studying, understanding, and preaching on eschatology, and my desire to help people understand the fundamentals of Bible prophecy and end-time events. For many Christians and serious students of Scripture, Bible prophecy is an intimidating subject. Sadly, many are afraid to approach it. I have always reminded my audiences that Bible prophecy is not to scare you, but to prepare you. How often the scriptures reference a particular topic or subject helps us discern its significance and doctrinal weight. In the study of theology, this is called the law of proportion. Did you know that 28.5% of the Old Testament is prophecy and 21.5% of the New Testament is prophecy? 27% of the Bible is prophecy. It's impossible to be a serious student of the Bible and not be a serious student of Bible prophecy. And I referenced that uh, Tuesday night, sorry, Monday night before Dr. Jesse came, that it seems like there was a major emphasis on Bible prophecy. And then in the last 30 years, it kind of just turned into, well, I know the Bible says a lot of things there in Revelation, but we don't really get into all that. You need to get into all that. God didn't devote almost a third of the Bible to a subject that has minimal importance. Can you say amen? Prophecy is what separates the Bible from all other religious books. No other religious books contain prophetic content. The Bible is a book of prophecy, prophecy being fulfilled with complete and total accuracy. Bible prophecy is still relevant today. In fact, it's more up to date than tomorrow's headlines. One Bible prophecy scholar said, Bible prophecy is so accurate, it's history written before it takes place. Did you know that God promised a special blessing to all who study Bible prophecy? The book of Revelation is the only book in the entirety of the Bible that begins with a supernatural promise of favor to its readers. Revelation 1-3, God blesses the one who reads the, book, the words of this prophecy to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it, and obeys what it says, for the time is near. The book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible containing this blessing. I've often wondered if Almighty God, knowing the power and priority of Bible prophecy, gave this special blessing to motivate us not to ignore its message. As you read this book, purpose in your heart to become a dedicated student of Bible prophecy. Perhaps the greatest benefit you will gain from a better understanding of Bible prophecy and end time events is preparation to spiritually navigate these final hours of human history and live ready to meet the Lord. Bible prophecy reminds us there is an eternity. There is life after death. There is heaven to gain and there's hell to shun. And there's a day of judgment. 
May the truths you discover in this book keep the urgency of living for Christ ablaze in your spirit. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. So this book, I didn't write this uh, like this week because of what's happening. I wrote it because anybody that with a cursory knowledge of Bible prophecy knew these things had to happen. So this addresses Agenda 2030, if you've heard of that, from the World Economic Forum and those kind of things, um, from Bible prophecy, not from conspiracy websites. But there is a, like there's conspiracy theory, there's also something called conspiracy fact. And when you, <laughs> after about the sixth time a conspiracy theory comes to pass, you think maybe they know what they were talking about. Because, you know, to take an attitude that everything's just happening randomly and there's no agenda, you're actually, you actually go against the Bible. Because the Bible says there's an antichrist spirit that's in the world with a five-fold agenda. One world government, one world leader, one world religion, one world economy, and one world military to carry it out. So when you see that push for those things and for America to lay down its national sovereignty and uh, the open border at the south of this state, which is not Mexican families in search of a better life, it's Haitian and uh, Yemeni and, and Palestinian and all the things you saw happen in Israel, it's basically uh, j just a free-for-all to come into the country to take America down. But I'm going to preach a message tonight. Uh, you have the title if you're watching online. I titled it Israel Bible Prophecy and what it means for the end time believer. Because many people, it's like you got two groups in Christianity. You have one that's just completely oblivious to Bible prophecy and just wants, you know, just a nice message about masking up and staying home and saving lives and getting vaccinated or whatever else to participate with, with the world. Then you have this second group that they understand Bible prophecy, but it's immobilized them. They're waiting for the economy to collapse. They're waiting for the food supply to run out. Everything's negative. But when you get into what the Bible has to say for the believer in the last period of time, it's not a time to be downtrodden. It's a time of victory for the body of Christ. Can you say amen? Man, what great people to preach to all week and what great people online. So I, want, I announced last night we're going to lay hands on everybody that wants hands laid on them tonight. And I want you to get ready because this is not just going to be vomiting out information from the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So as this comes in, I believe God's going to use tonight here in Fort Worth and you that are watching online and whatever other platforms are on, God's going to put something in your spirit that when other people, Jesus said, men's hearts will fail them because of the fear. But you're not going to be in that boat. While the world's going down, the body of Christ is going to be going up. Can you say amen? This is our time of major advancement. So I want to share a couple of things before I get into the message. One is to watch what's happened this week online is astounding because about 2015 or 16, I had uh, Kofi, that's an associate pastor at the church and my right-hand man, he was traveling with me to one of our evangelistic meetings. And he was watching somebody preach on Facebook. And up in the corner, I saw a blinking red light that said live. I said, that guy's live on Facebook? Because all you could do up to that point was upload a video. He said, yeah. As soon as he said that, I knew that was going to be live streaming on, on the internet was going to be huge. So I told our media department, I said, find out whatever you have to do to get an account with Facebook to go live. At that point, they were just giving it to a few accounts to test it out. I said, as soon as they make it available to everybody, make sure we're set up to do that day one. 
and we were. And so it started out, we'd have 30 or 40 people watching. I remember the first time we crested 100 people. While I was broadcasting, Ram and the people from the media came back holding a sign, 100, with exclamation points. Then I told you the Lord spoke to me that if you do what I tell you, the day will come where you'll never take the microphone and have less than 1,000 people watching you. Well, we started doing, uh, doing live streaming on the road uh, two years ago. We'd have 70 people, 100 people, up to 170 as the year went on. Then we were topping out at about seven to 800 at a time this year. But during these meetings we've had between uh, 2,000, 2,200, 2,400 people, not total views, watching at a time. You know, ten, literally tens of thousands of individual viewers. But at, like right now, uh, or at some point in the services, it peaks. There's you here, and then there's another 2,500. So one of the things that happened from that is a, uh, these are just what we find out about. A woman that was in the hospital was watching last week, and she shared her testimony on Sunday, drove to Pittsburgh to share what happened, and I wanted to play it for you. Play the testimony from Pittsburgh on Sunday. Cindy, um, I had never heard of Revival Today Church until it came up on my Facebook, and um, I saw no eye could see, and um, Pastor um, Rodney Howard Brown was going to be here, so I, I asked a friend, and we drove down, and um, never been slain in the spirit I was that day, and things in my life just started to drastically change, um, started to prosper in ways that I never prospered before. Um, and then something happened. Um, I immediately was ill last week. I mean, I dropped after a day of work with severe pain in my chest. I couldn't get my breath. Um, I had no idea what was happening. Um, drove myself to the hospital, and after EKGs and testing, um, they told me I had pneumonia and I had to be transferred to another hospital. And I'm like, well, you know, this doesn't sound quite right. Um, so I went to the hospital. All negative reports. They found bacteria in my bloodstream. I had streptococcus pneumonia, and it looked really bad. Um, IV bags hanging, um, all kind of pain medication. And then I thought, no, this can't be. You know, I'm not going to accept this. Um, I started just closing my door, listening to worship music, anything I could hear, teachings. And I knew, knew Jonathan was in Fort Worth with a launch in this new church, and I kept that playing every night, every night, every night. And everyone that came into my room heard this, heard the preaching. And the one night on healing, um, I just claimed it. I just claimed it. I mean, I raised my arms, and I said, you know what? I received this healing. I even went on to their chat and said, I received this healing in the name of Jesus. My lungs are clear. My bloodstream is clear. And I just said, thank you, Lord. And from that point, everything changed. I did not stand on any of the negative reports. Um, people would come in and they'd look at me and they're like, well, you don't look sick. I got up, I got dressed, I was in my chair. Um, respiratory came in, I'm blowing that puffer. Um, she said, well, you're not ill. I said, no, I'm not ill. They did the echocardiogram to check my, the damage to my heart. There is no damage to my heart. Um, I'm healed. I am completely healed. I'm supposed to still be at home um, for another week, um, but I had to get up this morning. I got myself showered and dressed and had to be here, and I am so thankful for um, Jonathan, his teachings that played constantly in my room, and um, that's it. 
I know God honors faith, and I've been just listening to his preachings, and I am blessed in Jesus' name. So that's right. Go ahead. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. That stuff never gets old to me. And then secondly, we had a call. This is one of the calls we got from our ministry yesterday. A lady that called in and left a voice message again from watching the meetings. Go ahead and roll this one. This is just audio. Yes, hi there. Uh, this is Nellie Kinski, and uh, anyway, we were uh, watching Jonathan. We've watched him several times, you know, gone to Texas and stuff. And, and But you know what? I had been struggling with alcohol, and even though yeah, I had, had, you know, given my life to Christ years ago, but, you know, I just could not get that out of my system and and as I was praying with with Jonathan today I felt a total release from from ever having to you know ever have those cravings of, of alcohol and so I just uh, wanted to to let you know that I rededicated my life and and praise God, and thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, anyway, thanks again. Bye-bye. Now, great. Free from alcohol. No more drinking. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Malachi chapter 3. By the way, I, I told you, if you're watching online while, while everyone's turning there, about this book. The first hundred people that ask for one online. So our website's revivaltoday.com. If you go to RevivalToday.com and contact us by email, the first hundred people we hear from that put a name and legible address, uh, I'll send you that for free because I want to get it in your hands. I'm going to give this to everybody who sows a seed tonight of any size in the offering as a thank you gift, not as your harvest. But I, I, I wrote that because I want people to read it. Malachi chapter 3. How many of you have been blessed this week and a half? How many believe God saves the best for last and the second half of the means is going to be even better? Dr. Rodney Howard Brown with us for two nights next week. And if you don't know, uh, we, are, we have launched a church. This coming Sunday will be our third Sunday, 9 a.m. right here at um, is Revival Today Church Fort Worth. And uh, we have a children's ministry. It's a church. It's not just a viewing center. So I would encourage you to be a part of this church. I don't think you'll regret it. If you can testify to that, can you say Amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 14. Thank you, musicians. You have said, what's the use of serving God? And what have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of hosts that we're sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. This verse will show you why context is important for Bible study. Because if you took Malachi 3.15 by itself, that'd be an interesting verse. From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. This passage I'm going to read you out of Malachi chapter 3, Israel Bible prophecy and what it means for the end time believer. This is not just a key text for tonight. This is a key text for the rest of your life since you're living in the last days. The Bible says that God was upset. You've said terrible things about me. They said, what do you mean? What have we said? You've said, what's the use of serving God? And what have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of hosts that we're sorry for our sins? So 
from now on we'll call the arrogant blessed. Do you ever wonder why the mafia and casinos and cartels have billions of dollars and the church has to have 21 chicken dinners to build a shed, to get a, enough money for the down payment on a shed, to put the church lawnmower in? Is that because God wants people who run drugs blessed and he wants pe Christians to struggle? No. God said, because you have said is my people, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by trying to follow his commands? There had, they had a conference just recently west of here where they said there's no benefit for serving God. These people that teach healing or blessing, they're of the devil. The devil does not want believers to know from the word that there is a tangible blessing for keeping God's word. Keeping God's word doesn't bring you backwards in life. Keeping God's word brings you forward in life. The devil can't do anything to stop that. So he has people, some will outright say it from the platform, you know, like they did at that conference, and then others will just seed that into people. How many know we don't give to get? How many know whether we ever get our blessing in this life or not? That's not important. The important thing is that we'll make heaven. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches godliness is profitable. This is a verse word for word. Timothy, godliness is profitable. Say with me, godliness is profitable. Godliness is profitable unto what? All things holding value in the life that now is and in the life that is to come. Now, that's serious to me because I know what our family was before Christ came into our family on my dad's side and my mother's side. On my dad's side, everybody was a coal miner, struggling, you know, major problems in the family. On my mom's side, I never met my grandfather. He died of mesothelioma from, from being hooked on cigarettes, never knew the Lord. My grandma didn't know the Lord. Uh, uh, one of her daughters had a child with a guy from prison while she was a teenager. That's the family that I come from before Christ. So people see a preacher all dressed up in a suit and they think, you don't know what I'm going for, going through. Let me tell you something. Essentially, Spanish, black, white, Chinese, Sudanese, uh, Mongolian, all people without Christ battle the same thing. Because the thing that you battle, its root is the devil. And when Jesus came, he didn't just do something so you can write your name in a book in heaven and when you die, go to heaven. The Bible says he came to destroy the work of the devil. Well, what's the work of the devil? Everything that took away man's ability to hold it. I mean, think of it. Uh, uh, Adam and Eve married, no problems. Nothing about Adam beating Eve. Nothing about uh, uh, cheating on Eve. Nothing about any kind of domestic problems. As soon as the devil comes on the scene, one son kills the other son within a chapter or so. That's the devil. The devil is the one that's at the back of everything. And, and I'm telling you, I know most of you know this, but pastors and evangelists and preachers and people need to understand. You don't fight the problems of the world world with bottled water and free rice and food. That's great. But the real problem is sin. And Jesus came to destroy the power, not just forgive sin, but destroy the power of sin. Can you say amen? amen. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. The Bible says, but Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. First work of redemption. Somebody say, I'm redeemed from the curse. 
that the blessing of Abraham might come upon all who believe. Galatians 3, that was part of 13 and 14. Christ hath redeemed us from all the curse of the law, having been made, been made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that is hung on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham, so it's not just free from the curse. Some people teach when you're saved, you're not free from the curse and there's no blessing. They're not, then some people will get at least over to free from the curse. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be poor. That's true. You're free from the curse. But he didn't just free you from the curse, but also that the blessing of Abraham would come upon all who, all who believe. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I figured you were at church on Wednesday night, 10th or 11th service in two weeks. That's a believer. People watch it online. You should have something in your spirit that distinguishes you that way. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. I live in a fallen world, but I'm not of the fallen world. I've been resurrected with Christ. He is the head. I'm the body. And what happens to others is not permitted to happen to me. I have a new covenant with better promises from the blood of Jesus Christ. That's my inheritance, and I take it now in Jesus' name. If you receive that tonight, clap those anointed hands. Give God a mighty shout tonight in Fort Worth, wherever you're watching in the world. Give Jesus the highest praise. Say it out loud. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not going to live like everybody else. So the Bible says, but because death and life's in the power of the tongue, you've spoken hard words against me, says the Lord. What have we spoken? You've said, what's the use of serving God? What is it profited to obey his commands? God doesn't like that kind of talk. That's the exact opposite of how David talked. I'll bless the Lord, Psalm 103, 1 to 5. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself, and for Psalm 103, 2. And forget not all of his benefits. So David, a man after God's own heart, spoke and said and sung and wrote that there are benefits for serving God. I'll say it as long as I'm alive, they could cut my head off before I deny it. There is a curse for serving the devil and there is a blessing for serving God. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You're not signing up for a worse life. You get saved to join the gospel ship that's loaded down with blessings for you and your family. That's why I like playing those testimonies. I mean, not even in the meeting, but sit, sitting, in a, uh, sitting in the hospital with a major lung problem at an age where if you have major lung problems, you could die. And you just switch on the live stream. I never laid hands on her. That was the first I met that lady. But just listening to the word. There is power in the word of God. You can't hang around it. That lady just hung around. The, the word of God vocalized for half a week and it took her right out of the hospital. I'm telling you, there's no problem you're facing tonight that can survive one hour in the anointing. It doesn't matter what the devil's done to you, even if he's done it for 35 years. You're only one prayer away from the power of God picking you up out of whatever pit you're in and setting your feet on the rock to stay. If you believe it, shout a loud amen. amen. So it ticks, not only is there a blessing, according to Malachi 3, it ticks God off. When you speak against the blessing. I mean, no, many of us will never see our blessing this side of heaven. 
but they're out one day. You know, and, and it's so irritating to hear people talk like that because the pastors that say that live in huge homes. I don't believe in prosperity. Where do you live? A tent in a state park? No. The, the, the people that held that conference, speaking out against prosperity, take seven-figure salaries from their ministry, over a million dollars. Three homes that are worth millions of dollars apiece. I don't have a problem with any of those things, unless you're going to tell people that there's no... How do you tell people with a straight face that there's no blessing for serving God and have three homes, two in California and one in Colorado, that are paid for for you and take a million-dollar salary and have millions in the bank? Think about it. The blessing of God's so real that even Christians that say they don't believe in it write books against it and make millions of dollars off the books. And God said, it ticked me off. So because you rejected my blessing, the money's not just going to lay out in the street. From now on, we'll call the arrogant blessed. That world that you turn on the TV every day, that are building space shuttles and sending weapons overseas, they're playing with our money. That blessing, I said they're playing with our money. Because that blessing was meant to be controlled, not by wicked people, but by righteous people. And I, I, I feel some kind of heat on me to preach it like I've never felt before. Because all Christians have learned to do is complain about it. Can you believe what they're doing? Why don't you do something about it? What are you doing? God's anointed you to do something to facilitate the wealth of the wicked passing out of their hands and passing into the hands of the just. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking at a group of Texans. I'm looking at a group of Christians. They're not going to watch the blessing of God hit other people. They're not going to watch revival. You are going to be a part of this last day move of God in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that one more time, go ahead and clap your hands and give the Lord a mighty shout. Maybe these are all kind of like side notes, but maybe, maybe that, that is like very important to deal with at the front end of, of tonight. Because you watch everything that's wrong with the world, and you think, what, what can I do? I'll tell you what you can do is the same thing your father Abraham did. He said, I'm just one man that serves God. You know, at that point, it wasn't even the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was just his God. And he's surrounded Every other person was diametrically opposed to him. They were opposed to his God. They were blood-sacrificing pagans. Abraham said, well, what am I supposed to do? No, he knew that if God is for him, no one can be against him. So he made up my mind, A, I'm going to prosper. Everybody say, I'm going to prosper. I, I can't make the whole church prosper. I can't make America prosper, but I can control, according to the Bible, I can control. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. Look at what God said about Abraham. Genesis 18, 18. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Anybody have a King James Bible, New King James, Amplified? You have it? Let me see yours. 
See if you can get one with smaller print. <laughs> Holy moly. We live in a country where like you're not allowed to have Bibles. <laughs> Genesis 18, 18. Thank God for good eyes. Sing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I, everybody say all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Did you know part of the blessing of Abraham is that the blessing is not just that it, that it blesses you. It's that it becomes so much. Psalm 23, 5. Thou anointest my head with oil. What's the next part? My cup runneth over. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. You want to know one of the major differences between Israel and Palestine? You're not going to go to Whole Foods or, or a Fresh Market or any other grocery store and pick up a grapefruit and it says product of, of the Palestinian food department. That nothing goes out of there. Only resources go into there. But Israel, that only has three states in the United States that are smaller than Israel. Rhode Island, Connecticut, Vermont maybe? I might be off on the third one, but it's only three. It's about the size of New Hampshire. And that place exports diamonds, grapefruit, strawberry, diamonds, materials, pharmaceuticals, out of that small little group of people, seven plus million people. The whole world is blessed out of that nation to the point that if you read polls, if you ask people on the street, how, what percentage of the population is Jewish? People guess like 20%, 15%. It's like 0.02% of the world. The, noble, the people who win the Nobel Prize from Israel. Great scientific discoveries, Israel. Number one air force in the world, Israel. Why? Because there's a blessing. You don't hear about that from any other of those nations. What do you get from Jordan or Yemen or Oman? Nothing with more land, same climate, same resources. But the blessing of God on Abraham was not just I'll bless you. That's the smallest part. If you're here today and you're bankrupt or you're in debt, you should get happy. God, God not only can take care of that, God can start to overflow you where you become a blessing to the entire nation. And I'm telling you, there's people here that by the time it's all said and done, America will know your name. Canada will know your name. Not by might, not by power, but by the blessing of Almighty God. Come on, one more time. I see you receiving that tonight. I'm not gonna stop you. Clap your hands, rejoice. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that your mercy endures forever. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Deuteronomy 18, 18. Sing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Remember, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law having been made a curse for us. Verse 14, not just the curse gone, but that the blessing of Abraham would come upon how many who believe? Oh, everybody say, I have it. Oh, yeah. The curse has been broken. I don't need anybody to pray the curse off of me, and I don't need anybody to pray the blessing on me. Christ did that 2,000 years ago. The second I find out about it from the Bible, all I have to do, how do you receive anything from the Bible? Stand, stand like this. 
No. If you will believe in your and confess with your mouth. So you believe it? What, what did God get ticked off about in Malachi 3? You said harsh things. Oh, we didn't even know. What were we saying about you? You said, what's the use of serving God? What, what have we profited from obeying his commands? You know, there's a ministry that I've been watching because I've known about them since I was a kid. They always had people in charge of that ministry that spoke against prosperity. They wouldn't tithe. And the thing was going down and down till after many decades. I'm being vague, not because I don't have an actual thing. I, you know, everything's everywhere. I used to preach in the old days where there were no video cameras. Then it was just my word against the congregations. But now I have to be more careful. So they struggle financially. Everything going down. After a long history, they're about to become a non-entity, lose everything. Then they get a different leader in charge, who I know, and I know how he believes. He comes in and says right from the beginning, now that I'm here, we're not going to speak against prosperity anymore. God has a plan to bless us and bless this institution. We're not going to speak against healing anymore. And he starts going down the line. And he starts using his spirit in that direction. Father, I know it's not your plan for this institution to fail. I know it's your plan for us to prosper and multiply. And praise like that. Takes a day every week to fast and seek God and speak. Well, as he does that, cleans out the old leadership that doesn't believe like that, brings in new leadership that does believe like that. In less than a year, the thing goes from a complete nosedive to start to level out to then being profitable. When they, I'm telling you, they were on the brink of collapse. Do you know what that shows you? If you can do that in an institution, you can do that in a family. No matter how long something's been headed in the wrong direction, it only, I got good news for you. It only takes one person in a family to say enough is enough. Enough. We're not going to speak like that anymore. We're going to bless the Lord at all times and have what the Bible says. Somebody says, I'm, somebody say, I'm going to do that. Somebody say, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, who cares how things have been in your family? I told you how my mother's family was. I told you how my dad's side of the family was. You know what changed? One person in the family got a hold of the word of God and turned the tide because darkness can't shut out light but light drives out darkness and the light is the light of God that comes into you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say one is enough. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have a feeling I'm going to have trouble moving off of this tonight. Somebody say overflow. Oh yeah, I remember when there wasn't enough money for me. Then I got married. We had to use all our faith for a do me and Adalis. Sometimes go eight or nine days without eating, just fast because we ran out of money, no food. Don't post anything about it on Facebook. Yeah, we're out of food if everyone could just pray for us. No, we're, I'm not a Christian beggar who's learned how to beg creatively on social media. Have those guys write you all the time on Instagram now because they banned spam. So now you got these other people that come on your comments every time. I'm just telling you, so if you see it on my post, because Christians are the most gullible, easy to take advantage of people on planet Earth. He has a good heart. No, he doesn't. Got some guy, got some guy that, that's, that's a convicted felon working in the children's department. He has a good heart. Then tell his cardiologist, but get him out of the children's department. Amen. So you got these people who come in the comments. 
I'm running an orphanage. Amazing how many people are running orphan orphanages in, in Nigeria. There's more orphanages than orphans. I'm running an orphanage in Nigeria. We're out of food. I'm even thinking of taking my own life. I wrote to the last guy, let me know where your address is so I can send you a rope and a rickety stool. You know why? Because he's a criminal taking advantage of God's people. They have whole warehouses that are call centers to take advantage of dumb-hearted Christians that are as harmless as doves, but they miss the wisest serpents part. Can you say amen? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like people spamming and scamming God's people. And so uh, you see all that. God has us to be blessed, and the blessing overflows us. I will bless you and make you a blessing. Two parts. Everybody say, bless me. Bless me. You know, I wish we had more nights. Oh, we do. We have a week and a half. So maybe, maybe I will camp out on this part tonight. Everybody say, bless me. I will bless you. God wants you blessed. Turn to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. You mind me using your Bible for a little bit? You're not just saying that because I'm your employer. Okay. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land. Don't skip that part. Say this out loud. I can't live my new life in God trying to drag my old life with me. Oh, yeah. There's a separation. There's a spiritual circumcision, the Bible calls it. If you want to live the, the life of blessing, all your cousins aren't going to come along with you. All your family's not going to come along with you. Some people, their whole life's tied up in trying to get their mom to go to a full gospel church. I just wish she'd believe in healing. Well, she's not. So you're going to have to don't skip this part. What is it going to take to be blessed in the last days? Number one, you have to make up your mind that at first, maybe your family will get saved. I'll believe, I'll believe with that, uh, for that with you. But first, you have to make up your mind that I am not going to stay within the parameters that have been drawn for me by my family. Invisible lines. Nobody owns a car. If you go to get a car, do you know how much car insurance is? Do you know? You don't own one. It's expensive. How expensive is it? I don't know. I've just been repeating what I've heard other people say. Oh, yeah. People have invisible barriers that nobody's ever crossed. Did you know if you study it, Abram's father was Terah, T-E-R-A-H. Do you know what Terah did for a living, Abram's dad? He was an idol maker. So God said, if you're going to go to where I have for you to go, you're not going to be able to do it in an idol-worshiping house. You're going to have to leave your, your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. If you're going to do what God calls you to do, you have to be ready to move. When the door comes open, you have to walk through it. If you try to, listen now, if you try to run it by your mother and your aunts and your cousins, do you think I should go? I wouldn't do it if I were you. You can't run. You can't run. You can't run covenant things by non-covenant people. When the Lord speaks to you. Now, you, you should run things by. I, I ran a lot of things by Dr. Rodney. In fact, before I announced the start of this church, when I felt the Lord speak to me in the morning, launch the church in Fort Worth, that, that took all my mental space up for the day. 
I can't be in Texas and Pittsburgh at the same time. So how do I run that? Then, and then I, I had ideas that I felt were from the Spirit. I called Pastor Rodney. These are the ideas I have on doing that. What do you think about it? He said, I was hoping you were going to announce that. He said, no, I like the idea of how you're doing it. And then he's like, as you do it, the Lord will show you in the anointing how. Now, he's a covenant person. I'm not running it by some idiot that doesn't even think I should be in the ministry of serving the Lord. Now, I got two churches. I don't think you should do any of that. People don't need churches. They need water. Oh. No, say it out loud. I can't run covenant decisions by non-covenant people. Oh, yeah, but then you can run covenant decisions. That's, that's part of the good of having a pastor. And a pastor is not somebody that controls your life. Actually, when people even come to me for advice, just so they can't pin it on me, I basically just have them talk it out and they'll get the answer from their own spirit. I'm trying to decide between doing this and doing this. Well, tell me about both things. Well, uh, you know, part of me wants to do this, but then the other part of me, I've been feeling to do this. Okay, well, which one do you feel more peace about in your spirit? Well, I've been feeling more peace. And then as they get done, they just talk it out. And by the time they're done, they go, you know what? Thank you. I, I got my answer. I didn't do anything. I just kept you talking and you talked it out in your spirit. Yeah, pastors aren't put to control people. Can you say amen? amen. Tell you if you leave my church, I'll throw you. No, nah. no but, but they are shepherds to help. Can you say amen? amen? And so you can't run covenant decisions by non-covenant people and you can't drag your, you can't make your new life of blessing work in the framework of the old life. How many of you were here last night? Who was the preacher? Jesse Duplantis. The first time I met Jesse Duplantis, somebody snapped a picture of us two together, and I thought it was a nice picture. He was talking, and I was listening. This is probably three years ago. I posted it online. I had never been with Jesse Duplantis before. When I started off preaching, the denomination I was in was anti-faith, anti-prosperity. So there's still people like that that follow me. So when that picture was up of just me and him talking, somebody wrote underneath. I don't even know who it is. If you and him... If you and him are together now, then you and I can't be friends. Do you know what I wrote underneath? Small price to pay. Oh, yeah, I'm going somewhere. If you want to stay back, you're welcome to stay back, but I'm not staying with your 1880s revelation. I'm with the progression and the river of God. Now I want to tell every person that's here, God has a river and God has a flow. I know there's war in the Middle East. I know there's all kinds of problems, but these words that we're reading, the flow of God is as alive now as it ever has been. There's a river for you to jump in. Revival Today Church Fort Worth is in that river. We're going to stay in that river. We're not going to camp out in the past. We're going to get everything that God said belongs to us. Come on, if you receive that, you say, I'm jumping in the river. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Come on, make some noise. The devil is defeated. God has a flow. I said God has a flow. Leave your father's family, your native country. And go to the land that I'll show you. And if you'll do that, remember it's predicated on that. You got to leave. Got to leave old things behind. Not everybody's interested in healing. Not everybody's interested in prosperity. Lots of people are against it. Especially after they've been teaching communism in universities for 73 years now. Thankfully, somehow that never really got into Texas. People like bling in Texas. 
You got people that make under 20,000 a year with a $4,000 belt buckle. I like that. <laughs> My kind of people. People say, fake it till you make it. No, that belt buckle's real. They're making it right now. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. And if you do, everybody say obedience brings blessing. You obey God's word, there's a tangible blessing that comes on your life. You believe God's word, speak God's word, and obey God's word. Yeah, obey. Not just believe and speak, then obey with action. I don't just believe and speak church attendance. My butt's in church on Sunday. My butt was in church on Sunday when I wasn't a pastor. I don't just believe and speak tithing, I tithe. Believe, speak, and obey. If you do, everybody say, if I do. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and then you'll be a blessing to others. I want to deal with this first part because it's like people don't want the blessing. I mean, no, we're blessed to be a blessing. It's like they want to skip you being blessed you know, as if the only reason God gives you anything is so, in fact, I've heard people teach that. I mean, you know, the only reason God gives us anything is it's for his kingdom and for others. No, God loves me as much as any, any jabroni on the streets of Fort Worth. He didn't get, <laughs> they like rough talk in Texas, they weren't gonna get along. What? God didn't save you to get you out of the way. That's kind of the mentality I grew up with. It was like, okay, there's souls that need saved. You're now saved. Get to work. But I'm not God's employee. I'm God's son. You're not God's employee. You're God's son. The women, you're God's daughter. He saved you because he actually loves you. That's why, you know, if I were to say, now nobody talk because you'll embarrass yourself because you'll just go into autopilot and you'll say the thing I'm going to preach against. So I'm telling you, don't, I'm warning you. If, if I were to go to any church outside of here and just say, why does God bless us? Everybody would just bellow back so we can be a blessing. But that is not the primary reason why God blesses you. And this will help you receive blessing. This will help you. Because remember, he didn't, say, he didn't say, if you obey me, I'll make you a blessing to others. He said, if you obey me, I'll make you famous. I'll exalt your name. And I will bless you. And then you'll be a blessing to others. So until you can be a, un, until you receive the blessing, you can't bless other people. You hear, now, you hear Christians, I don't care about money, I just want to help other people. Then you should start caring about money. Because you're not going to help anybody if you don't have enough for you, or if you only have enough for you. That's not a difficult thing to understand, but you'd be amazed how many people are so religiously trained that they have a problem with that. Oh, money's not important to me. Then people aren't important to you. And secondly, then you think that you know better than God. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings 4. Second Kings 4, verse 1. This is a powerful scripture. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. 
But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. What do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Say this word with me. Say Two words. Say supernatural increase. I love Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey was anti-mask. Dave Ramsey kept his ministry going and took a bunch of heat in Missouri for keeping it open. I like that. And I'm all for budgeting. Christians need to know how to budget. But the, the provision of God, it's like if anybody will get into this stuff, they keep it just at stewardship. I may believe in stewardship. Let me tell you something. There's no way this woman could have stewarded what she had without her sons getting sold into slavery. There's no way that the widow in 1 Kings 17 could have stewarded a jar of meal and a cruise of oil so that they could have eaten for three and a half years. It's not possible. So yes, we do need to steward. We run those principles hard in our ministry. We operate in surplus. I refuse. Uh, I don't have a, I mean, you know, late in the midnight hour and it doesn't. No, no, no. God told Abraham, I'll fill your storehouses with grain. God doesn't expect you to go through life by the skin of your teeth. God is a God of overflow and excess. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Stewardship's great. But there's something on top of that called supernatural increase. And that is resident in the anointing, and it's part of the blessing of Abraham. I've said this before, and I don't know if I've said it here because we haven't had the church that long. But if you've watched me, you've heard me say, Pentecostals were always difficult people for me to figure out because they didn't believe that we were to have riches. If you use rich, you might as well say a curse word. I had a pastor come up to me when I finished preaching one time at 25 years old. You know, you told everybody that if they obey God, God will make them rich. Well, number one, am I using terms that the Bible didn't use? Proverbs 10, 22. This is what the Bible says. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. Not, not meets, I mean, no, God will meet the need. No, he didn't say he'd meet the need because if all you have is your needs met, you can't bless the nations of the world. Why do people enjoy prosperity preaching in Texas more than other states? If I was preaching this in New England, someone would have thrown a hymnal at me by now. 90% of world's missions given comes from America. Out of that 90%, if I had to bet money, if DraftKings would give me odds, what a terrible church illustration, on which state the bulk of that 90% comes from, I'd bet Texas. Texans are different. Texans are givers. So maybe that's why the Lord's having me camp out on this, because you should know. Even though many of you have such a great, humble attitude, whether the Lord ever does anything for me or not. Number one, if you talk like that, that's not humility. That ticks God off. Because think of this. Like if I told you, uh, Abraham, when you have a child in the future, I'll pay for that child's full college for four years. And I said that to you. And then you said, well, whether you do or not, that's not a compliment to me. And that's not a nice thing to say. That's basically saying, well, like, what, have you heard that I make promises and don't keep them? What do you mean? I, just, I didn't tell you I might. I told you I would. And you're saying, well, whether you do or not, you're calling what I said 
into question. How many know we don't give to get? Then why did Jesus, who I consider an expert in the Christian faith, personally, how come Jesus then said in Luke 6, 38, if you give, you will receive. If you give, you'll what? Well, whether I do or not. Well, now you're just talking to God like Abraham in this illustration would be talking to me. I love having a personal assistant named Abraham. Makes me feel like God. Abraham, where are you? <laughs> Abraham, present yourself to me. Yeah, that doesn't please God. You know what's better to say than whether he blesses us or not? You know what's better to say? Father, as I give this into your work, I thank you that your word said that gift will come back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. I thank you that in doing this, I'm getting in the flow of what you're doing in this last hour of time. So you, you, you believe it. Everybody say blessed. So the first thing God wants to do is bless you because he loves you. I'm not giving my daughter food every day and clothes so that one day she can grow up and be strong and be a worker in our ministry. She's free to do anything she wants. I'm blessing her because I love her with all my heart because she's my child. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, if you fathers being evil know how to give, not meet the needs, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to all who ask? Everybody say all who ask. So you, you don't get it just because you give or because you're a Christian. There does have to be something in your faith that puts a demand on what God says belongs to you. If Jesus paid a price with his blood for me to have peace, then I refuse to not have peace. If Jesus paid a price with his blood for my body to be healed, then I refuse to be sick. And if Jesus paid a price with the same blood so that by his blessing he would make me rich, that I can be the financial head and not the tail, financially above and never beneath, then curse every devil and everybody in the World Economic Forum and anybody in government that would try to stop that. You can't curse what God has blessed. And tonight by my faith, I put a demand on the blessing of God. If you believe it, can you shout, I receive it? So, getting back to Pentecostals being frustrating. They didn't believe we were to have money. The church has water damage. You know, who built this church that we're in? Baptists. No full gospel people would build a church like this. No chance. You said, no, what about Lakewood? John Osteen was a Baptist. Can you say Amen. Full gospel people celebrated poverty. We don't have anything. I mean, as an evangelist, like if you were me, here's what you're supposed to say when you get the mic. If I look tired tonight, I had to drive here from Pittsburgh. Even at nine years old, I think you didn't have to drive. But then what they did is they, because they wouldn't teach the word on finances, they took offerings like PBS does for Big Bird. We need money. Uh, we're trying to get Big Bird on the air, if you could help us. So then the more you tried to make it, it was almost like you people all have to work a job, and I don't, but I'm having it super hard. 
So you should give me some of your money. I want you to know, I know you guys work hard. I'm also struggling very much. I told you last week, this is not a joke. There's an evangelist that put on Facebook. He's older than me, probably 50 in, in there. He wrote, please pray for us. He's an evangelist. Please pray for us. We have three flights today, and then after we land, we have to drive 10 hours. So when people hear that, they're like, oh, man, poor brother so-and-so. You know, boy, he really works hard for the gospel. You're not working hard for the gospel. You landed at the wrong airport. <laughs> if your plane lands and you have a 10-hour drive, maybe don't just pick any airport. Pick one that's close to where you're preaching. I mean, we're not in Botswana. There's airports everywhere. I mean, Texas, you got one in Fort Worth and, and, in, and in Dallas. There's, there's airports all over the place. So, but people, see what happens is, if you, if you don't learn to celebrate the blessing of God, then you'll actually start celebrating hardship. And that's what you get at most churches. I mean, you know, life's hard. Is that what Jesus said? There was a preacher, he's in heaven now. I liked him a lot. His name was Dr. Fred Price, senior. He was at a minister's conference it's still on YouTube. Sometimes when I like to get cheered up, nothing cheers me up like listening to somebody get rebuked. I've been rebuked several times. I prefer hearing someone else get rebuked. Dr. Fred Price was a faith preacher. I'll tell you already, we haven't even finished the night yet, and this is already my favorite night of the week and a half because I, I, I feel like the ease and joy and victory of God here. Amen. You're going to leave here differently than you came. Tonight is going to be a launching pad that while the world's in peril, you're going to rise to the highest place you've ever been, and there's not a thing the devil can do about it in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's at this minister's conference. Now, did Fred Price have an easy life and that's why he preached prosperity and faith? He's got in there, had anything happen? Fred Price went to prison before he got saved. Fred Price had a child that, was, that, that died at a very early age, a son. He went through all that. Then he got around the faith message. And he's at a minister's conference. You can pull it up on YouTube. It's great to listen to. And there's this preacher that's running the conference, 5,000 people there. I'm tired of people talking about how we have victory. Life's hard. The ministry's been hard for me. Goes on and on about how hard the ministry is. Now, I know preachers. I've been around them my whole life. When I watched Fred Price preach that night, you could tell he was trying super hard to choke back the rebuke and not say it. And he did a good job. He made it about 38 minutes. <laughs> and then he walked by that guy one time. That guy's in the front row. I mean, every big minister in the charismatic movement was at that meeting. And he went, Fred Price goes, and I could tell he was wrestling with whether to do it or not. And I knew he was gonna do it because he goes, sometimes I tell my wife, I don't think I was even meant for this planet. I don't even know why the Lord has me here. And I thought, well, when you start saying stuff like that, you're about ready to take some swings. Because what you're saying is, I don't care whether I get invited back or not. He goes, but well, I'm gonna tell you something right now. Now think of this, this is a man that started a church in Compton, California. 1980s, 1970s and 80s, Compton, the bad part of South Central Los Angeles. You know, Dr. Dreville. 
He starts a church there as a black pastor with poor black people, the poorest in the country. They grow to 5,000. They have to run a bunch of services. Then he gets an idea from God to buy part of Pepperdine University, which in the 80s, this is before our current administration, was $16 million for the land. That'd be literally, that would be like $160 million for land right now. It'd easily be 10 times more than it was in the, in the early 80s. And then the building he's going to build to seat 10,000 is going to cost 10 million, 26 million. No bank will give him a loan. Banks don't want to loan churches money anyway. They will not loan to a black pastor who pastors a congregation in Compton. No bank would give him money. You know what? You know what happens? Many times, this is one of the few Christian cliches that I like and that's true. Rejection is God's divine protection. Many times when people reject you and the people that should help you reject you, it's actually to open a door instead of trusting in them. Your faith is going to go to another level and you're going to do what people said you couldn't do. And nobody can get the credit for it. Only God can get all the glory. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, everybody that's gone out of their way to close doors for your advancement, you're coming up and you're coming out tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I'm coming up. Somebody say, I'm coming out. One more time, I'm coming up. I'm coming out. So he, he raises the money on top of national television and all that. Back then, TV was a ton of money, way more than it is now. I'm on at nine, and well, I don't say prices and stuff. It's more money. It, it was probably 15 times more money to go on TV back then than it is now. That's part of the problem we have in Christianity right now is you used to have, an, used to have to have an actual ministry to go on where people could watch you on a screen. Now every jabroni can go on Facebook Live and say whatever they want. There's that one lady, man, they used to have her on all the time during the election, prophesying none of her prophecies ever came true. I don't see her much anymore. Remember one time she said, sometimes I go to heaven nine times in a day. And my father was with me. He went, and they keep sending her back, marked wrong address. <laughs> but that's not important. Back to Dr. Price. So Dr. Price raises the 16 million cash by the gift of faith and then raises the 10 million cash for the building. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm telling you, when, when, when you start doing things like that with your faith, which I've not done something at that level yet, but I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> but when you start doing stuff like that, it does start to really irritate your spirit when you hear people, and it's not a carnal response. God said, I'm very irritated. Why? What have we done? You've said hard things about me. What have we ever said that was hard? You've said, what's the use of serving God? And what profit is there in obeying his commands? So think of that. If that ticks God off, then obviously we know from David, it, it turns God's volume up for you 
When he, when he hears you say the opposite, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself, and forget not all of his benefits. What benefits? Who forgives all my sin and heals all my disease. He ransoms my life from death. He fills my life, not gives me some good things. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Say what the Bible says. Say, he fills my life with good things. I'm going to tell you, we didn't come down to Fort Worth to start a church so we could have it harder. We've already met super great people here. The thing's been amazing. Who's come in? How this building opened up? We're just getting started. This church isn't an added responsibility, detriment. This is a blessing. Revival Today Pittsburgh's a blessing. Being on TV is a blessing. I am swimming in the blessing of God because God doesn't get a hold of you to knock you down. God gets a hold of you to lift you up. Say out loud, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Do you know the chief way you humble yourself is getting saved? How come people don't get saved that you invite to church? There might be some truth in that. I got a problem with God. Okay, let him, what court are you going to take him to? <laughs> Even if he's wrong, what are you going to do about it? And he's not wrong. No, their brains are as high or higher than the Bible. Their brains are higher than God's word. But what happens when you come to an altar and say, Father, I repent. I receive you. In myself, I can do nothing. But I lean on your spirit. When we fast and pray to start the year of 2024, if Jesus tarries, and this thing doesn't escalate in the Middle East and we get out of here, if there is a 2024, we start the year in fasting and prayer, not making plans and asking God to bless us, but humbling ourselves and saying, Father, we fast to submit ourselves to you. What are your plans? We're believing you for increase. And as you, the way down is the way up. In the kingdom, Jesus taught that. If you sit in the front, they'll ask you to move for someone else. Go sit in the back and have somebody go get you and bring you to the front. Anybody that wants to be exalted will be humbled, but those that humble themselves will be exalted. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not doing this to grow the meeting, Wednesday, to be in church on a Wednesday night for the 11th straight night or 10th straight night or whatever. That's a sign of humility. That's not, I've got everything. I'm a business owner. No, no, no. God, I've heard your word, some of you, for 10 years, 20 years. 40 years, 50 years, but I'm still hungry for more of you. I want to grow. I want your blessing. I need you. Brother Fred did all that. So you sit, the God part of you rises up. When you start hearing somebody say, it's hard, sir. I mean, it's hard serving the Lord. The last meeting I was in, and somebody said that, I yelled out from the crowd. They, they, they said, how many know it's hard serving the Lord? I went, then quit. <laughs> Go serve the devil then. God's such a lousy boss. and such a lousy father. What kind of jerk says something like that in a microphone? Do you imagine me? Now imagine with my earthly father. How much of a complete jerk I would have to be the next time I saw my dad, Tiff Shuttlesworth. Said, you know, it's hard being your son. What do you mean? Been hard being your son, you know? Been hard being known as, as Tiff's son. What did I ever do? I, I don't understand. I thought I treated you pretty well. Now it's been hard. So, but who? Who? 
Hold on. Let me just massage my temples. I don't get it. I don't get how that passes for some kind of holy statement to utter from the platform. Hey, it's hard serving the Lord. It is. Now, let's take a little cursory look through Scripture of people that said stuff like that. I'll tell you the first one that comes to mind for me. The wicked, lazy servant that didn't multiply what he was given. I know thou art a hard man. Oh, I'm a hard man, am I? Gave you a free sack of gold. That's what a talent was. They weren't multiplying singing or dancing ability. I gave you a bag of gold, and I'm a hard man. You're a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant. So I hid it in the ground. Oh, yeah, that's the way the unjust person talk. God's not a hard God. Allah's a hard God. I've never been praying in the Holy Ghost. And God told me, Jonathan, I have a plan for you today. What is it, Lord? Strap C4 to your chest and go blow up an open market. No, that's Allah. That's not God. God's a good God. I'll tell you. And I'm, I'm watching my confession. I've said you can cut my head off about three times this week. I not, not, don't want to open the door for it. But if push came to shove, you could put a sword to my neck. You'd never get me to say one hard thing about God. I, I watched Job in the Bible, naked, sores, lost everything, lost his family, yet he refused to say one reviling word against God. For all my friends that like to use Job as some kind of caveat in the Bible, well, I know Jonathan preaches that, but what about Job? What about Job? Our, fr- our Baptist Bible scholar friends tell us, and they're right, that Job's entire ordeal took nine to 18 months. And when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned his captivity and he received double back, twice as much as he had before and lived another 140 years. I'm talking to people tonight that have had it hard. Things have not been going wrong. But I got news for you. That cycle of attack comes to an end tonight. You're going to enjoy the blessing of God. Your family's going to enjoy the blessing of God. And there's not a thing the devil can do about it. Come on, if you receive it, rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. Say it out loud. My God is a good God. He's a good God. And he's a rewarder. He's a what? Of who? Boy, this really is the buckle of the Bible belt. I've never had the whole crowd quote a scripture in unison, same translation. <laughs> what do you people do? Scripture's written on the hind end of your cows, even while you're working? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. One more time. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Do you know the only heat you take when you preach prosperity, really, if push comes to shove? Like if you're with an anti-prosperity preacher, they won't, nobody, nobody will say God won't bless you. They, what they'll say is, no, we believe in blessing, but you take it to an extreme. But what, what they don't understand is you can't take it to an extreme. God is extreme. 
He's an extreme healer. He'll grow eyes in people's eye sockets. God is an extreme forgiver of sin. Ask the woman caught in adultery. God is an extreme deliverer. Ask the madman of Gadara. And God doesn't bless a little or a normal amount. When God opens the windows of heaven, the only problem you have for the rest of your life is having enough room to take it all in. Extreme. I mean, how tired is everything alone? I don't know, man. Haven't you ever met anybody that doesn't serve the Lord? They're having it hard. Plus, all the friends, all the things they tell you in church that were hard about serving the Lord, you get those things whether you serve the Lord or not. How you know when you serve the Lord, friends will turn their back on you. Friends turn their back on everybody. Don't you have Facebook? My, you don't have an unsaved aunt that everybody hates? It's not because she's a missionary to Nepal. She's just a jerk. <laughs> friends, friends will betray you when you serve. Friends will betray you anyway. People are flighty. People betraying people up in the Congress. I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting into who should be Speaker of the House. I'm just making a point. How many of those people that voted against Speaker McCarthy a year and a half ago were patting them on the back, congratulating them for being Speaker of the House? Oh, yeah. You think you get betrayed just because you're a Christian? What kind of a complete jackass do you have to be to plant the idea in people? You guys clap for that kind of language here. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should discourage that. Should have gone like this. What, 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 what kind of person do you have to be to plant the seed in people's minds that it's easy to follow the world and it's difficult to serve the Lord? And when I was watching Fred Price try to battle back, blasting that guy from the pulpit that was running that conference. He said, I've been hearing, Dr. Price said, I've been hearing some things at this conference that have been irritating my spirit, talking about how hard it is serving the Lord. And he said, I've been hearing some things from you. And he pointed at the guy in the front row. And I mean, the way the thing was set up, it was like the stage was here and the front row was here. So he like, I mean, he was like on him, like Lou Pinella and a home plate umpire. I've been hearing some things out of you, so-and-so, by name, that have been ticking me off. He said, you've been saying, I'm sick of these preachers that say how easy it is. He said, preachers, I, see how much I've listened to it? I can quote it word for word. <laughs> Anytime I'm in a bad mood, I just listen to that and get happy. He said, preachers didn't say it, brother. He said, brother, like with a Hulk Hogan anointing, like brother. He said, preachers didn't say it, brother. He said, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary. Yeah, because Fred knew before I found God, I was having it hard. I was in prison. My son died. I didn't know anything about faith or prayer. We were just taking losses left and right. But when Jesus came in, he gave me a gift called faith. And faith can move a mighty mountain. It'll move disease. It'll move $16 million of money that you need. It'll move 10 more for the building. Faith will move every immovable force. And it's doing it for you right now. I said it's doing it for you right now. If if you'll call on Jesus, if you'll call on him, he'll help you out. That's what he said. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. That's what Jesus said. 
For the record, Dr. Fred's right. I played that for my dad one time. And my dad said he was probably picking up on that guy's unclean spirit, which was why he was getting, now think of this. Maybe this will put a nice bow on this, on this uh, 110 mile an hour all over the interstate message. By the way, I want to say to all the Texas drivers, the left lane is for passing. Then when you're done passing, get back in the middle lane or you'll go to hell. No, you won't go to hell, but I'm just trying to, trying to clean the traffic up. You know, Abraham drives me. He's from Ghana, West Africa, but my wife's always been around him at the church. So he's, he's yelling at the drivers here in Spanish. Idiota. Those are from West Africa. It's with the idiota. I feel like I'm getting driven around by Escobar's guy. Amen. Now, let me knock this out. So at that time, that guy that Fred Price is yelling at has one of the largest churches in the country. But he's talking how hard it is serving the Lord. Did you know within a few years after that, that guy came out as pro-LGBTQ, IA+, lost his church. He's got a church of about 30 people. I won't say what state. Lost everything. And he's unclean. You know how you can spot uncleanness? There's no way in the Holy Ghost you can ever badmouth God. The Lord, God is a good God. The devil's a bad devil. The devil's the author. Hey, let me just knock a couple things out. I feel like I'm at a Chuck E. Cheese and things keep popping their head up in the spirit. I'm going to get all the tokens and tickets before the night's over. Can you say amen? You know, how do people not know the nature of God? Anyone that wants to come to him successfully must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. So if you don't know who God is, Jonathan, I just have questions. I've had people ask me this. I just really have questions about why this is happening in the Middle East. God's not funding Hamas. You know, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know there's a God and there's also a second character called the devil. And the devil comes, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have and have it. Oh, yeah. God doesn't teach through sickness. God doesn't teach through decapitating babies. That's a devil. That's not God. And people have made the wrong assumption that because God's all-powerful, that anything that happens on the earth has to happen with his permission. But that's not true. Because God said many times in his word, like Ezekiel twenty-two thirty-six, I sought for a man to rebuild the wall of righteousness so I wouldn't have to destroy the city, but I didn't find anybody. The heavens belong to the, but the earth he has given to, Men. So it's our decisions that determine our destinies. It's our decisions that determine the, de the destiny of nations. That's why we're having these meetings. God isn't up in heaven, having already predetermined to send revival to America or to judge America. He even said, it's up to you. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will revive and heal their land. We're we're taking action. We're taking action. We're not waiting to see what happens. We're making decisions that produce power to show the devil you're not in charge. The church has dominion.
Somebody say, I have decided. You know why our ministry has plenty of money? I decided I'm not going to be broke. I decided when I was a young man, I will never come up to the pulpit and tell everybody how long my flight was, how long I got delayed, how tired I am. Who cares? People have their own problems. Need to drive and hear somebody in a suit tell them about more problems. We need a new roof. I think, yeah, listen, I already need a roof too, so best of luck. No, ministers are supposed to extol God. Tell about his goodness. Tell about his blessing. One thing, now we got visitors here tonight or people that have just started coming, but some of you that have followed our ministry for four and five years, you know that in a very short time, we've, we've started to take in financially a month what we used to take in a year. And if you go back further, like five or six years, take in a week what we used to take in a year. And now we're getting that plane delivered at the end of the month, right to Pittsburgh. Can you say amen to go back and forth? Do you want to know what I've learned? If you start talking the goodness of God, God will not allow a woman to talk about how good he is and praise him and leave him bound. God will not allow a man to say how good he is and leave him in that position. We're going to lift our hands tonight. We're going to make up for lost time. We're going to praise the Lord out of our mouth. We're going to honor the scripture that says let everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Complaining is a decision. Silence is a decision. And praise is a decision. I will bless David, a man after God's own heart. I'll bless the Lord at all times. Let me see um, Brother Joe Meadow. Stand where people can see you. On the platform. I'm going to have you sing soon anyway. How old a man are you? How old of a man are you? How many years old? 38. 38, looks young and handsome and healthy. Body moves good. You know why? He praises God. He doesn't do it as a performance. You praise God. George Beverly Shea that sang for Billy Graham, how old was he when he died? 106? I'm not joking. I think he was 106 years old. Oh, yeah. When you, when you complain, it loses death. It attracts demonic things. But when you bless the Lord, like David did, when Paul, hallelujah, when Paul was thrown into prison, who in the world gets beaten and thrown in prison? You can bring the musicians back up. Sorry to have you stand there awkwardly. How many of you were here last night when Dr. Jesse Duplantis was here? Do you know that's what I, I told him in the back room one day. He said, how did you get connected to our ministry? I said, basically, I got connected to the faith ministry because we would have... Pentecostal people come and holiness people and they were, they were 35 years old and they looked like they were in their mid-hundreds talking about how hard life is. Then we'd have these other people come every once in a while that looked young and fresh. Say, man, that guy, that guy must be 50. I'd say, no, he's actually in his late 70s. He said, man, he looks great. His wife looks great. They're happy. They're nice. I remember as a preacher's kid, they'd have faith people come to our church. They'd, buy me, they'd find out I play baseball. They'd buy me a bat. They'd buy me a glove. So you just, you just fought them because they bribed you with gifts? Basically, yes. I'm like a senator. Sorry, that one took the air out of the room. All the jokes I did all night, that one was too far. No, they were nice. They didn't come talking about our heart. They were actually, I remember faith preachers when they'd come to our church. They were some of the only ones that ever took an interest in me. How old are you? 14. 
you can get a praise song, song ready. I'm in a good mood. They, they, they'd point at me, how old are you? 14. What do you like to do for sports? I'd tell them, how's it going? What do you want to do when you get out of high school? I want to be a preacher. Oh, you want to be a preacher? Talk to me about that. They were different. They weren't self-focused. They were trying to raise money for them. They were like, like Dr. Jesse, he's just having fun. Just flying around having fun. They hate him on the news. He's still laughing. All the people that criticized him for buying his first jet aren't even on the air anymore. He's still on TV every day. You can't curse what God has blessed. I'm telling you, we are going somewhere tonight. This isn't just a revival meeting. We are building a church in the center of Texas, in the center of America, that is going to stand up for the goodness of God, for the joy of the Lord, for the power of God. That's the only thing that's going to change this generation. If you're a part of that church, take 30 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Stay on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. That lady that got healed out of the hospital, she made a choice. She could have put on sad music, cried. No, I'm going to put that guy on that I heard in July at what no eye has seen. Watch him preach in Texas. That's a decision. Today I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose life. It's not going to be God giving an account on judgment day. It's going to be people giving an account. You know, just quit asking stupid questions. I pray God helps me in my ministry to raise up an intelligent class of believers. Why would God allow this to happen in the Middle East? God didn't do it. Us... Us leaving $6 billion of weaponry in Afghanistan fueled it. Then anybody with a brain knew when we, set, when we unfroze $6 billion to Iran, people were already on in September saying, this is going to cause immediate problems for Israel. It's not God that did it. It's wicked people. But thank God, no matter how many wicked people there are, the wickedness that's in them will never be greater than the Christ that's in you. They can, they can try to cause all the trouble they want. Say this scripture with me. Say everything, everything. works together, works together. For, good. for good. To those who love God. Say, I love God. Those that are called according to his purpose. Say, I'm called according to his purpose. That's right. So they beat your back, throw you in prison. What did Paul do? Can't believe this is happening after, you know, I was once caught into the third heaven and this is how they treat me. <laughs> they prayed. But nothing happened when they prayed. That's why a lot of people don't see answers. I've been praying and praying. Okay, well, you've done that enough. Maybe it's time to do something else. They prayed and sang praises unto God quietly and respectfully because it was almost midnight. No, they sang so loud, the other prisoners heard them. And suddenly, nothing happened when they prayed. There's an old missionary. This was written in one of the Assemblies of God journals from a long time ago. She got smallpox before there was a smallpox vaccine, so they quarantined her. Back when they used to quarantine sick people instead of all the healthy people. Just because you had every idiot pastor saying that. Well, even the Bible talks about quarantine. Yes, for the sick. Not for the whole country, dummy. So... She's in there in quarantine, and she started praying and praying and praying. That's what Pentecostals are great at. 
And she said, Jesus walked into the room and he was holding the old fashioned scales of justice. One side said prayer and the other side said praise. Prayer was weighted to the bottom and praise was empty. And the Lord told her, when your praise catches up with your prayer, there'll be an earthquake. Is that scriptural? Yes. Paul? Paul did what? Prayed and sang praises unto God. Some people, their prayer is full, but they haven't praised at all. But we're going to make up for lost time tonight. Can you say amen? When we dismiss this service, it's going to be the happiest looking people this side of the nut house. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he prayed and sang praises. So after Jesus told her that and walked out, she lifted her hands and just started to sing praises to God, kicked her feet around, started dancing in that quarantine room. And she doesn't know how long she was doing it for, several hours. The nurse came in to check up and stopped in her tracks and said, what happened to you? All the pox are off your face, brought her a mirror and showed her. So you're completely healed. When he prayed and sang praises, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. There was a violent earthquake. The chains of every prisoner, not just his. Everybody say, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. Oh, yeah. There wasn't just enough for him. It was enough to knock the chains off every prisoner. And every prison door came open. And our Baptist Bible scholar friends tell us, guess who was the pastor of that church in Philippi? The Philippian jailer. Got a church out of it. What the devil meant for bad, God takes it and flips it for good. I tell every person in the sound of my voice, whatever you're facing right now, not only is God going to get you out of it, it's going to turn for a testimony in Jesus' mighty name. I said in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, yeah, it's not going to end in your defeat. You're not even defeatable. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I told you before, I'm going to tell you again. Get ready for the best three months to close out a year that you've ever had. While the world's in turmoil, the blessing of God is going to overtake you every hour of every day. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say it one more time. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. You know, I'm not trying to oversimplify things. But if you get your believing and your speaking right. I had a guy introduce himself to me that's in government in Texas. And he introduced himself after one of the nights. He said, I just want you to know, I've been coming to these meetings. The connection that pastors try to make in this area with the government for their home ministries, you now have it. I'm so-and-so, and I've been enjoying these meetings. I'm going to start coming here. That's, that's 11 days in to the start of a church. And that, that's supernatural because Texas, now somehow I got a pass because I had an old Texan come up to me and go, just so you know, you're one of us. So I guess he's in charge of Texans, and he said, I'm one of you now. But Texas does have kind of like a, you're either an outsider or an insider type thing. So you can move here from another state to start a church. That should be a hurdle I'd have to climb my whole ministry. And the Lord, somehow, just by the anointing, gave me for free what people pay and work for their whole life. That's God. If you'll quit saying how hard it is, nothing works out, and start. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. For you would run out of complaints 
before I'd run out of scriptures on what I have for me. How can I be depressed? I got the Holy Ghost. I have the Bible. I have every promise in here. I have Jesus Christ on my side. I have angels that go before me. I have angels that stay with me to protect me. I have all his precious promises that are yea and amen to all who believe. I cannot be defeated. I will not give up and quit. He who began a good work in me is able to complete it. I'm on the winning side. I'm not going down. I'm going up. Greater is he. Greater is he that lives in me than all them that are in the world. Come on, if you receive it, do your own shouting. Do your own clapping. Let the devil know he lost you for good. Hey! Say it out loud. You're not talking me out of it. All these scriptures that are in here that are great scriptures for the believer, do they only work in times of peace? And when the Dow Jones is over 37,000 and interest rates are low and they have inflation figured out, God doesn't give a hoot about any of that. You want to know what scripture that is, word for word? The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. You think God's up in heaven sweating, waiting to see what Joe Biden's going to say in his speech tomorrow? Somebody say it out loud. The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. In fact, one of the scriptures of blessing in Deuteronomy 28 is, I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. That means regardless of how your nation's operating, you'll operate at heaven's level. Say this out loud. I am an ambassador of Christ. If an American ambassador goes to a third world nation, do they live in third world conditions? Or do they make them import basically an American house into that country with an American toilet? They don't care. how We don't use toilets here. We just have a hole. Well, I use a toilet and they're shipping me a toilet. True or false? So God is, well, I'm not an ambassador of America. I'm a step higher. Say, I'm an ambassador of heaven. That's what the Bible says. We are not, not, not just me because I'm a preacher. We are ambassadors of heaven. The way Billy Graham was celebrated when he died, no ambassador gets that treatment. He got it because he's an ambassador of heaven, a faithful ambassador. Say out loud, I'm a faithful ambassador. You know, I, the first time I got that revelation and preached it, I was in the Caribbean. And the next day I was leaving and the, the, the security line was super backed up. We were going to miss our flight. And Donna said, we're going to miss our flight, aren't we? I said, it looks that way. She said, um, well, I'll call, I'll start texting Patrick and McGonagall, see if they can get us a second flight later in the day. And as she was saying that, I had just preached the night before on how, what I'm telling you, because we're heaven's ambassadors. We operate at a higher level than this world. This lady walks up to me in a dress in Barbados with a, with a badge on. She goes, are you Jonathan Shuttlesworth? Well, you don't know if they're happy about it or not. So I, I've learned to answer differently over the years. I said, and why do you ask? She said, no, I saw you preach this week at such and such a church. She said, are you on this flight? I said, I am. She said, well, you're not going to make it. The line's too long. I said, I was just thinking the same thing. She said, you shouldn't have to wait in that line. I said, I agree with you. 
She said, come with me. So Adonis came with me. This was pre-Camila days. And we, uh, we walk. And she walks us past the entire line, then walks us to the diplomats only line. And there was one diplomat in line. She said, excuse me, sir, back up and walked me past him. And you know, everybody, everybody had their phones out taking pictures of me and videoing me because they watched me get walked by everyone plus the diplomat. So it's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to take a video and figure it out later. Boy, Justin Bieber looks much uglier in real life. You could tell they were like confused, trying to say, who is that? I think Bradley Cooper got sick for a few months or something. <laughs> Dollar General Bradley Cooper's here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Do you know we had coach seats? She wants us past the diplomat line and took us to the first class lounge and got us bumped in the first class. I never asked for any of it. I didn't ask for it. I preached it. A scroll of remembrance was kept in heaven and the Lord listened to what was said. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. You know, I talked to my wife today on the phone. Yeah, we were saying on the phone, what a privilege to pastor two churches at once. Yeah, this is hard being apart from each other. No, it's actually not hard. Because it actually, my, I watched my mom and dad do it. It actually works to the benefit. Because then when you see each other Friday night, you're in, you're in love. You don't take each other for granted. Can you say amen? amen. You know, my daughter's all wrapped up in school. She doesn't even notice I'm gone. She'll see me on the weekend. We'll make up for, for last time, me and her. It's a joy to serve the Lord. I'm going to complain about being away from my wife. How about being happy I'm not laying on the flat of my back in a hospital being carried to the bath by nurses in sponge bath because I can't move my arms. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for strength. I'm thankful for divine wisdom. I'm thankful for open doors. And when you start speaking like that, the ble I'm telling you, complaints are blessing repellent, but praise is blessing magnetic, mag uh, magnet. Can you say Amen magnetization receive the blessings of God tonight in Jesus name brother Joe would you happen to have a good praise song in your spirit all right before I lay hands on you and pray for you we're going to make up for lost time we're not going to be like the preacher in the front row that got rebuked don't let anybody do your praising for you I want you to praise God tonight like it's just you and him in his sanctuary the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Only God's children can praise him. You can't praise God as a sinner. So if you've never received Jesus Christ, and you've been a rebellious hellion that exalted your own mind above what God's word says. You let the devil put that harsh thing in you where you question God and belittle God. And why doesn't God do this? You realize today I need to humble myself and receive the great gift, the only begotten Son of God's blood that was shed on the cross for me. I'm not putting it off one more day. I'm squaring my account with God, and I'm doing it tonight. If you need to do that, put your hand up high. We're going to pray together, and then you can praise with the rest of us. Where are you? In Jesus' name. I need to give my life to the Lord. Put your hand up real high and wave it so I can see you. In Jesus' name. If you're watching online, and that's you, 
They're gonna put a prompt at the bottom of the screen with you. I want you to receive Jesus Christ right now. Allow him to do that for your life. In Jesus' name. All right. Before Brother Joe sings, by the way, this is one of the finest praise and worship leaders in the world. You can look, look him up on Instagram, all the way from West Africa, Ghana, to be in these meetings. Angels attend to our prayers. God answers prayers, but God abides in praise. That's why when Paul praised God, there was an earthquake. God doesn't answer praise. He dwells in praise. And when God steps in, everything that's against God has to step out. So I am going to lay hands on you and pray for you tonight. I said I would. But if you do your praise properly, you won't need much. Your praise will clear out every unclean thing in Jesus' name. Now, let me say one other thing while my, while my blood pressure's up. For all these people trying to get delivered from demons that are Christians, like a fish can't survive out of water, a demon can't survive in an atmosphere of praise. That's why every attack of the enemy is to get you sorrowful and downtrodden. Because that atmosphere invites demonic attack and creates an atmosphere suitable for, for unclean things to live. But when you praise God, the devil hates praise. Now, if Paul's praise could knock off actual iron chains and open actual iron prison doors, then what kind of job do you think it can do against your invisible chains and invisible prison doors? When we praise God, Every prison door comes open tonight. Every invisible chain that's attached itself to you falls off you tonight in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Here's what we're gonna do. On the count of three, I'm gonna have all the musicians just play one note strong and beat the drums like they're not meant to be beat in church. We're going to do that for about a minute or two, and then I'm going to have Brother Joe lead whatever's on his heart, and we'll praise God with whatever song he picks. But the Bible says, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Some of you, it's been too long since you let out a shout. You've let out too many whimpers and talking hardship, but now you're going to give the devil a little panic attack and make him pee his pants. Amen. You're going to remind him that tonight I found out you're not over my head. You're not eye to eye. You're under my feet in Jesus' name. You online, I want you to do the same thing. Don't give some little quiet praise. Somebody should come in and check on you and see if you're all right. You should make some noise. Amen. Get a couple of complaints filed against you by the neighbors. Let everything that has breath praise you the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. Shout. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.